this is Paul James Caden, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, People Under the Stairs. And this is Stan Wangland, the other half of the amazing duo of the People Under the Stairs. And we're hoping that you'll tune in and listen to our wonderful podcast. Hey, Paul, tell the folks some of the things that we talk about in the podcast. We talk about a wide array of subjects, the paranormal, UFOs, missing 411, even such things as some of the conspiracy theories out there that are wild, things that are happening in the news and our world. If it's strange, if it's weird, if it bears talking about, we'll cover it on the show. Yeah, and we do it from a really balanced perspective. Uh, we just don't, uh, you know, uh, come up with something, throw it on the wall and see if it sticks. We try and have, uh, you know, the actual facts of what's going on with interesting people as guests on the show, you know, different authors, uh, and, you know, allowing them to tell their story uninterrupted and, uh, you know, in a full and uh, interesting format. So you can get into anything from artificial intelligence to uh, people who say they've been abducted and been on a flying saucer. So if you enjoy those topics, we hope you'll give us a listen and join us under the stairs. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who regularly listen to podcasts, even those of you who are new, we're on all the podcasting platforms and we're very, very easy to find. So give us a listen. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart, your monthly paranormal podcast. A new episode is released on the last Sunday of each month at 6 p.m. Eastern. And as usual, you can find Boo and I on Podbean, YouTube, sparkradionet.org, iTunes, Paranormal Radio, Stitcher, imdarkwaters.com every Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, as well as any place you can find fine podcasts. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Joyeux Noël, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. No matter what you celebrate... Boo and I wish you great love and respect and a healthy and prosperous new year in 2020. It's sad to say, but this December's episode, it's the last episode of 2019. I had you there for a second, didn't I? Huh? Huh? <laughs> no worries. Paranormal Heart will be back in all its glory in 2020 with some changes. You faithful listeners have asked and I shall deliver. Starting January 2020, you will be able to enjoy the show twice a month. That's right. You won't have to wait till the end of the month for the show. The next episode will be out January 12th, so make sure you mark your calendars, folks. You won't want to miss it. I have a wonderful guest to start the new year right. Who is it? 
Well, you'll have to tune in to find out. This month, we're doing something a little different. I gave John some time off from the oddities so he can spend it with his family. But don't worry, I have something special in store for you. I have a special guest who will narrate a true, creepy Christmas story. Please enjoy this narration by my friend, an amazing storyteller of 13 Past Midnight, Steve Stockton. Take it away, Steve. Top 8 Christmas Creatures So, even though Krampus has resurfaced in recent years to add a bit of darkness to dampen everyone's holiday cheer, some cities in America even, Halloween haunted attractions reopened in Christmas with a darkly delicious Krampus theme. Here are some other lesser-known weird creatures from around the world waiting for you in the shadows of Christmas folklore. Marie Lude In Wales, Marie Lude, a.k.a. the Grey Horse, is still a popular Christmas visitor. Consisting of a decorated horse's skull on a stick held by a person covered in a sheet, revelers lead the nightmare around to neighbors' houses. The group knocks on the door and requests entry, shades of trick-or-treat, by way of singing a song. The person answering the door must refuse with a song as well, and this goes back and forth until the homeowner relents and lets the party in for food and alcohol, or the Mary Lude gives up and goes on to another house. Gryla An Icelandic giantess who dwells in a mountain cave near the Demobourgir lava fields. Much like Santa, she possesses powers that allow her to know when children have been bad. She nabs mean children and then cooks them into delicious stew. She's also the owner of Jolakaturim, the hellacious Yule Cat, and mother to the mischievous Yule Lads, which you'll meet momentarily. Jolakaturin Gryla's ferocious pet feline stalks the Icelandic countryside devouring those who aren't wearing new clothes on Christmas Eve. According to legend, wool farmers told the tale of Jolakaturin so workers in the wool mills would meet their holiday quotas. Those who did got new wool clothes as gifts. Slow workers became holiday meals for the giant cat. The Yule Lads The legend of the 13 Yule Lads can be thought of as a precursor to Santa's elves, but before Santa existed. Each Yule Lad is known for a particular brand of nasty mischief, mainly stealing food or pestering livestock. When not thieving eats or bothering the farm animals, the Yule Lads leave either gifts or rotten potatoes in children's shoes, depending on whether the kids were naughty or nice. Zwartepiet Although the Dutch character Zwartepiet, also known as Black Peter, has been called racist in modern times, Dutch folks still dress up in blackface as Black Pete. However, the blackface is not intended to portray Black Peter as of African or Moorish heritage, but rather he's merely a chimney sweep covered in soot. Zwarte Piet was originally conceived of as a chained accomplice of St. Nicholas, whose job it was to whip naughty kids with birch switches. Alternate forms of the legend have him leaving bundles of sticks as gifts, which were really a thinly veiled threat for disobedient children. Necht Ruprecht While sometimes depicted as looking similar to Krampus, Necht Ruprecht is St. Nick's most familiar helper in German Christmas mythology. Portrayed as either a farmhand or a feral child Santa found and raised, he has a thing for prayer. He asks children to say a prayer, and if they do, they get fruits, nuts, and gingerbread. But if they don't, they get smacked with a burlap sack full of ashes. In the Austrian version, 
The absolute worst kids are beaten with sticks, then crammed into a sack and thrown into an icy river. Merry Christmas. Belsnickel. Belsnickel is another one of Santa's creepy helpers in Germany. While it's commonly believed that Belsnickel is based on the myth of Necht Ruprecht, there are some differences. The Belsnickel visits solo rather than coming along with Santa. Unlike Necht Ruprecht, it doesn't matter to him if kids have been bad or good. He brings a sack full of treats, which he dispenses, but when the children scramble for the treats, he switches them all, good or bad. The Tomton Remember, looks can be deceiving. While he may appear as a harmless little garden gnome, you do not want to mess with him. Not only is he very strong, but he's easily offended. And if you upset him, a smack to the head is what you get if you're lucky. He's also been blamed for, among other things, killing livestock, beating offenders half to death, or driving them insane. And if that's not enough, his bite is venomous and can kill. However, if you're nice to him, he'll use his mad abilities to protect your household. Well, there you have it. Beware of these lesser-known creatures from Christmas folklore from around the world during this holiday season. May your Christmas be a dark one. Thanks, Steve. That was really creepy and very well told. I hope you listeners won't lose any sleep over it. So my last guest of 2019, I think you'll find quite interesting. He has been a psychologist from New York for nearly 50 years, a clinical psychologist professor for over 20 years. He studied parapsychology and has had some pretty interesting experiences himself regarding the paranormal. I introduce to you host of Just Thinking and co-host of People Under the Stairs, Stan Wanglin. Okay. Hello, Stan, and welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thanks so much for being here. Hello, Kat, and it's my absolute pleasure to be here talking with you on Paranormal Heart. I, I just couldn't wait to be on your show. We've been talking about this for a few months now, and um, like normal, it seems to be, I had some tech issues last time we were supposed to record. Finally have you here, so um, thank you for being patient with me and uh, having you set up. I'm not recording in the basement anymore. I'm upstairs in the living room, so I don't know how the audio is going to be. I have to uh, figure that out later, but at least I'm up and running again. Well, it sounds wonderful to me. And, uh, you know, earlier this evening, I aggravated my wife and she sent me down to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I'm talking from. No, I'm not talking from the basement. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a pleasure to be here. And I hope the check is in the mail to me. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, it, it is. At the end of the week. No, you have a great, in all seriousness, you have a great show. And thank you, thank you for the uh, wonderful introductions that you've uh, made uh, to uh, me with uh, some of the guests that have been on your show and, uh, you know, some of your friends in the field. They've, they've been absolutely marvelous. Uh, no, no fooling around. They've been just, just delightful people. What a great experience. Yeah, and um, like I mentioned in the intro as well, I've been on your show as a guest and co-host and absolutely oh, yes. love doing that with you and Paul. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, we want to definitely have you back on some shows. Uh, we like to have you for the quality shows. And as you well know, uh, and some of you, uh, you know, when you get a chance to listen to our show, the people under the stairs, you realize that we're usually of intermittent quality. <laughs> so we try and reserve you for the uh, shows that have some hope of having some redeeming social value. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you guys have a great great, great show. And it, it's so amazing how 
um, you we we met just a few months ago on Twitter, mm-hmm. and we had an instant friendship. It's really funny how that works. You know, it really is. Uh, and uh, my son says that all the time. He's, he, uh, you know, he's. Uh, I wouldn't say he's a great fan of the paranormal. He finds it interesting. Uh, you know, on occasion to to listen to a show on that. He's a podcaster, producer himself, a wonderful, mm-hmm. talented guy. Uh, but he he thinks you're marvelous. He uh, I, I've often said that. He says, "Boy, she's she's great." I said, "Oh yeah, I, I love her co-hosting. I, I would love to do a show with her anytime, or anything else like that." He says, "Yeah, you know, you you guys all have you know great." Uh, uh, a great rapport with one another. You're very, you're very authentic and very genuine. Very, very, very nice. And again, the people that you've introduced us to are similar, uh, fine, uh, fine individuals. Uh, they, they're just, just nice people. Everybody. Yeah. So I've it's easy very, to be nice. I've been very fortunate um, with this podcast, meeting other podcasters such as yourself, and everyone has been so amazing. So it, it, it's almost like an f- instant friendship, and we've never met. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I every time I uh, speak with you, I always uh, feel like I'm speaking not to a new friend, but to an old friend. Agreed, uh, to yeah. be quite honest with you, and uh, you know, I I go with that feeling. I maybe that's part of the um, you know the uh, psychic phenomenon or something, the sensation that you pick up from somebody or the fear gnome or the vibe or whatever you'd like to call it. You know. You, uh, you you get a certain uh, you know set of uh, perceptions on somebody and boom, you know yeah. you like them. Yeah, it's funny. Hmm. Yeah. Well, like I said in the uh, in the intro, I would uh, like to discuss today uh, your shows. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. you have a very interesting experience yourself, and you are also a clinical psychologist. And I would like to see what your point of view is of the paranormal from a clinical psychologist's point of view. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, would you like that now? <laughs> uh, sure, it doesn't matter. Uh, if we can start or, whatever part or you during want to the start. show. <laughs> no, whenever, whenever you like, we can we, we can answer that. I mean, you know, it's I, I have to say that uh, um, maybe I can answer a little bit of that uh, and say I had the privilege, uh, and I really mean the privilege. And people should Google this fellow because I, I did the other day, and he's still around, Doctor Rex Stanford. Uh, was a, a professor that I had when I was uh, in graduate school, when I was working on my master's degree, and I was working on my, my doctorate, doctoral degree and um, at St. John's University. And uh, he had just, uh, this is in the 70s now, uh, he had just uh, gotten out of um, the Rhine laboratories at uh, Duke University, which are very famous uh, for their work in... Um, uh, in you know parapsychology, and uh, that's where I got the first real um, interest uh, from a psychological point of view, and it, it took me aback uh, uh, the way that they viewed uh, this. It was a seminar in graduate school, and I had to pay big money to go in here. There were only fifteen people in the seminar, and other than one other graduate student and myself, everybody else had a PhD, and that should tell you something. Uh, because the first thing he said when he came into the class, he said, hey, look, I'm here from Duke University, and he teaches, by the way, Dr. Rex Stanford uh, is his name. He still teaches at St. John's. I cannot believe this. Wow. Uh, And uh, the thing that he said to everybody was, hey, look, I'm not here to debate whether uh, extrasensory perception uh, and things with the paranormal exist. That's a fact, Jack. 
and we're going to go from there. And the way that I was first introduced uh, to the paranormal, extrasensory perception, parapsychology was from a scientific uh, standpoint. These guys were like guys playing the ponies or playing the, um, the line in Vegas. Uh, everything had to do with um, uh, it had to do with altering the odds on things. Am I making sense to you on this? Yes, you are. Yeah, where you could influence, uh, you could you you know you could influence things st- statistically, whether it be by telekinesis, you know, movement of things, or you uh, they particularly use cards, you know, reading cards. Um, and there's a particular name for the, um, uh, the scientific cards. It starts with a K, and I'm just blocking with it right now. Uh, and then they talked about real, real scientific experiments like, and famous people like Eusebio Palladino, who could actually take a thing like a telegraph key that had a soap bubble around it, packed in a vacuum, and, and, and make the light switch move. Hmm. And things like that. They would do things like this. Uh, exceptional events, you know, outside uh, scientific explanation uh, that had to do with, uh, you know, differences, uh, you know, affecting outcomes. And it was, that was my first uh, real understanding of that. Uh, And I said, wow, this is a whole different thing than I would imagine. And then finding out and I hope this is interesting to your viewers. And oh. I think George Clooney did it with the, the men, uh, you know, who stare at goats yes. and remote viewing and things like that. He started telling us about all the research and all the research was being done by Russians because all the articles really? in those days you actually go to, oh, they were all in Russian <clears throat> because the Cold War is on full blast. And the CIA and Russia were very, very interested in remote viewing. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you well know, if you check out remote viewing, you can see um, on it, the declassified uh, information now on those programs through the Black Vault and other things. But you can, you know, Freedom of Information Act in the United States. And we actually had some people who were quite successful with that. Uh, and the Russians did, too. But we had some some really cool people. And that was a big deal that, uh, you know, you could find out what was happening you know, different places with remote viewing. Uh, and then there were, it was the infamous or famous, you know, Yuri Geller, mm-hmm. things like that. So uh, these were things that uh, the people from Duke University, the Rhine Labs, Stanford University, I believe Harvard had them, uh, you know, during that period of time, I believe if you go on the um, internet, you can find there were, there were about 13 universities that really uh, had sanctioned programs by the government. And uh, most of those uh, are not around anymore. Uh, but uh, that was my introduction to that. The real, real scientific uh, study of this, uh, you know, uh, like you would uh, like you would do experiments in um uh, you know, what could I say, behavioral psychology, like, you know, training rats or something like mm-hmm. that. With the, uh, with the paranormal, with paranormal psychology, you were getting these um, uh, out-of-the-norm kinds of responses from people, you know? And, and you know, there's different, ex- you know, there's different uh, definitions of that. Um, 
you know, psychic phenomena, extrasensory perception, precognition, telepathy, telekinesis, mm -hmm. those kinds of things, supernatural experiences, out-of-body experiences, apparitions, hauntings, all those kinds of things. Uh, nowadays, I think that um, uh, in psychology, you have, you know, area after area that says, don't believe in the supernatural, uh, don't get, you know, the, the paranormal you know, don't don't bet on it. Uh, don't be ex uh, impressed by eerie co uh, coincidences and things like that. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. Um, you know, but there are some there are some pockets that feel differently. Uh, I feel differently about it uh, than that. And uh, I don't know. Does that answer your question, or did I go? Uh, too, too far out in the weeds there. <laughs> no, you're great. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's not what people think. It isn't Barbara uh, Hershey in the entity. You know, and psychologists like myself, clinical psychologists, we meet people uh, many times who have emotional disorders or who have um, they're in the process of misperceiving things or we're not sure if they're misperceiving things, and then they start. Uh, describing and giving value to things we're not sure whether they are paranormal events and psychologists in, in my understanding you know today psychologists are very uh, cognitive behaviorally oriented they're very or oriented to how your brain works uh, and they relate everything to your central nervous system like if, if you're dying and you're seeing a white light or something like that Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you think you're passing over to the other side, they're just going to say that that's a bunch of random cells, you know, blasting off in your head. Yep. Uh, those I've kinds. Also, I've also heard people say that the light that we see is, um, uh, you know, when you're in a operating room or something, and the, the mm -hmm. big light above you, uh, a lot of people say that's what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, to, to me... I, I think that uh, every time people think they know the answer to something, that may, be, that may be the case in some cases, I think you have to take everything on a case-by-case -case, uh, event. Agreed. But think of the things uh, you asked about psychologists uh, and the paranormal, and, and I hope that's an area that's interesting to you since I'm a psychologist. Think about the things that some people could tell a psychologist, and we hear. They talk about exceptional dreams, predictive, intuitive, out-of-body kinds of dreams. They talk about clairvoyance, uh, clairsentience. Uh, they talk about apparitions. Uh, people come in uh, to people like myself and they talk about memories of suspected past lives, right? They talk about communications with deceased relatives, friends and family. Uh, we have people who are uh, autistic or we say are autistic or have other things and then show these ungodly uh abilities with savantism mm -hmm. yes. you know, where they have these exceptional talents uh child prodigies poltergeist phenomenon like myself oh, yes i mean okay. i'm a psychologist i'm a trained observer it's like the ufo stories somebody says hey look i'm not bullshitting you i saw a 400 foot uh you know uh vehicle fly by at uh, mach 2 you know, this is what I do for a living. I mean, that, that's what I saw. You don't want to believe it. What can I tell you? Then you have people with prayer. Lots of people now, uh, they consider religion uh, and things like that. You know, it's a genie. It's a genie. Your prayer, healing by prayers, that's a paranormal event. Mediumship, 
things like that, miracles, synchronicity, mm -hmm. things like that. I'm just trying to think of things off the top of my head that uh, we could come across. Now, that for psychologists and for members on your show here, you know, uh, like I'll listen to shows that uh, people have and somebody will say, yeah, that, that was Bigfoot. I'm sure that was. And it was, uh, you know, it was this kind of thing. And as the UFO came out, it's a whoa, hold on a second here, man. You're talking about this like we're talking about going to Dairy Queen. <laughs> that, yeah. uh, no, you, know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. That, that's a pretty amazing event you're talking about there. So, you know, people are going to be, uh, I think, logical people who are not uh, necessarily mediums uh, or have all these abilities are going to they have a right to question that. Although on my show, I never do that. I never put anybody on the spot with that. That isn't the point of my show on people under the stairs. I think that's disrespectful um, to do to people uh, who want to tell their stories. But as a psychologist, I have to ask somebody, I have to say, well, you know, you know, what made you think that you saw that? I mean, or, you know, what proof do you have? I mean, were there any footprints afterwards? Were there any marks on your body? Were there any this or that? You know, the same thing that I would do when I would be doing an investigation. I was just uh, going to say that's very similar to the approach that a paranormal investigator would take. Absolutely, because yeah. you're trying to use a scientific method doing something that is related to, you know, extraordinary kinds of events mm -hmm. or, you know, extra normal, uh, extraordinary influences. So it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, um, it's like, uh, this isn't a show on religion, but I was doing a show with Paul the other day. He asked me to do the spirit side and I'm a, I'm a highly trained scientist, but I'm also a very religious person. And people will say to me, Stan, how you know, come on, I'm not, you know, you can have all those nice ideas and everything else, but you don't have to be a practicing Christian or anything else like that. And I'll say, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say, well, how do you believe in all that boogeyman stuff and, you know, genie stuff? And I said, I said, because I don't see any, I don't see any difficulty with the two of them. And I think the same thing works with the paranormal sometimes. That in religion, Religion doesn't explain how things work. That's the role of science. Religion many times tells us why things are the way they are or why we should interpret something a certain way or why we might want to look at something <clears throat> a certain way or why we might want to behave a certain way. All the rest of the stuff relates to the whys. It's not, it doesn't relate to the, you know, to the physics of something or whatever. So I think the paranormal sometimes, just by the name of it, it's – or, you know, or when you hear ESP, extrasensory perception, you know, things that are outside of the normal perceptions that we have. Mm -hmm. So maybe some of the so, so same, maybe some of the rules or the functions that apply to normal behaviors don't apply in those settings. And that's what we should be looking at. We should have an open mind to them as critical thinkers. Agreed. Boy, that was a big-ass lecture, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't a lecture. <laughs> but um, I hope that answers your question. I, I think that's how a, a good psychologist looks at that. Uh, I think a paranormal event would be just like somebody, you know, saying something to me that I thought could be possibly delusional. And there are many people who come in and you think they have delusions, and upon further examination, guess what? Grandma really is putting, uh, you know, cat poison <laughs> in a cup of tea. No, yeah, or, the, or or grandpa's coming in when you're asleep and he's really touching you on the behind. Yeah. 
yeah, it's really happening. Or like Paul's uh, story when he went to see the psychologist and uh, she had he had to um, go see her again and she was going to be wearing a particular piece of clothing or jewelry and he wrote it down on on a letter and sealed the envelope and gave it to her and he even had what what she was going to be wearing that day and everything. That was that was fascinating. I don't believe his story. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him that all the time. I said, do not believe the story. Paul's out to lunch. <laughs> no, I don't think Paul's out to lunch. <laughs> he may believe that story. No, I'm teasing with you. I don't, I don't, I don't get into that with Paul. <laughs> Some folks, stories... I, sorry, no, folks, if you, wanna, if you are interested in finding more <laughs> about that particular story, it's uh, three-part episodes on um, People Under the Stairs, and I will... Send the link later at the uh, at the end. It'll be on my show notes, so you'll be able to check that out. Fascinating story. Yeah, it's called Angels, Aliens, and UFOs. Thank you. I couldn't remember what it was called. <laughs> oh, I had to host that one for three shows, man, listening to part <laughs> one, two, and three. If, you're, any of you, if any of your guests remember the old Mary Tyler Moore show, mm-hmm. is anybody out there? Do you, Kat? I do, yes. It was my favorite, and I would always, at work, I would always imitate Ted Knight. <laughs> I would call up the uh, the facility director. Nobody would call him. They were afraid to call him all the time. And I would call up his secretary, whose name was uh, Mary, mm-hmm. and I would get on my Ted Knight, uh, my, <laughs> my Ted Knight's voice, and I would say, Hello, Mayor. <laughs> Let me speak to Lou. <laughs> And Ted Knight would always, they'd ask him, Ted, tell us about yourself. And he'd say, it all started with a radio station. <laughs> and that's how that three-part show went, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and I've still been traumatized by it. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be a three-parter. So at the end of the first one, I'm like, wait, what? It's done? And then you mentioned the second part. I'm like, okay, great. And then at the end of the second part, I'm like, what do you mean it's done? Oh, thank God, there's going to be a third part. I'm glad you felt that way because I said to him, what a third <laughs> No, folks, it's a really good show. Paul is my relative. He's my friend. He's my niece's husband. He's a pathological liar. <laughs> no, he's and, a wonderful guy. And, and your co-host. Yes, he's my co-host, of course. I, w- I wouldn't berate him. <laughs> I, only, I only insult the people that I dearly love <laughs> and bust on them. Uh, Paul's a delightful guy and has uh, a lot of... Um, very fanciful tales. He has a lot of very amazing stories. Uh, and he's a very sincere guy with that stuff. So I think you'll like it. And, uh, you know, some people who are severely mentally ill, like Paul, are very believable when you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm making you giggle on your show. And my producer keeps saying when I do paranormal shows, you've got to be more spooky. Yeah. <laughs> Am I turning your audience off where they're, they're going to want spookier stuff? I don't think so. I hope so. I hope not. Excuse <laughs> you me. Have to have, you have to have comedy in, the, in this field, I find. Uh, I've had some people say, I had one episode, oh, I can't remember which episode it was, but it was with uh, John Mallard uh, from oh, Odd, to nice New- uh, Odd to Newfoundland. Oh, he's, oh, he's amazing. And um, we had uh, done an interview together, or he was on my show, and we did a lot of laughing. But that's just, you know, he's, he's a funny mm-hmm. guy. And I had a couple of people comment that they can't take the paranormal seriously with all the laughter. Well, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. Many times when the team that I'm with, uh, Canadian Supernatural Research Society, uh, Mm -hmm. we've been on um, many investigations. And 
there's always humor in there at some point. Whether we asked for uh, a response to a question, like knock on something, and we get it, and we jump for whatever reason, and we start giggling, and mm-hmm. we, we just make jokes. It's just, to me, humor and paranormal kind of go hand in hand, but I find humor in a lot of things, so... I would think so, and, and you know, th- I think that is an important thing. I, I you know, that uh, to um, whether you're a psychologist or you're a policeman or a, a military person or you're doing an investigation or a doctor or whatever it is. I mean, you might be doing open heart surgery. You don't want to say that you want to be cracking jokes with somebody when you're opening their <laughs> chest. But, no. <laughs> but uh, sometimes, you know, it might be the appropriate thing to do. Yeah, you, uh, something by being so somber and morbid and eerie that doesn't make anything more correct or more real no you know quite uh, quite the uh, opposite i i found many people that i've seen that i feel have very strong uh paranormal abilities uh it's very funny i find them to be very clever i find them to be full of life and humor and uh very sharp and perceptive on things and uh you know I think that's why they're good, uh, you, you know, or very receptive to these kinds of things, you know, because they're very open-minded, they're very quick-witted, they're very, uh, they um, they pick up on things. Yes. You know? You, you kind of have to be, too. Yeah, yeah. So what else might you be interested in, young lady? Well, let's get into your experience. What what are we talking about here? Is this my paranormal experience? paranormal experience? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have to specify with you. I forgot. <laughs> no, I think the uh, I, I've had um, I have a couple of interesting things. Uh, the first thing I have to let people know I I do not take um, paranormal events lightly. I don't know what it's called. Uh, Paul actually told me, or you told me the thing. Uh, every house that I've ever lived in, the house that I'm living in now, I bought for my parents and uh, moved into a few years ago when they passed on so that I could uh, get rid of my other house uh, that I had. And um, I blew out electricity throughout the house, uh, electric light mm-hmm. bulbs all over the place. Uh, and every, everybody's known that since I'm a kid. They, we start, finally started putting that together. Every All kinds of electrical equipment burns out, shirts out. Uh, the light bulb bill in our house to this day is huge. Uh, we've had the boxes change. We've had hmm. electricians come over. There's nothing wrong. The same house anywhere I go. That happens. I don't know what that's all about. Is I it something? That, sorry to interrupt. Does this happen just phys- just by being there? Do you have to physically touch things? No, I don't need to touch anything. Uh, hmm. If I become upset by anything, uh, if anything is particularly stressful, Mm-hmm. With things, uh, the light bulbs will uh, blow out. Uh, my wife could tell you that. Again, my other house, we, we actually had to have the uh, electrician come in and redo the system three different times. And he finally says, nothing more I can do. Hmm. You know? Uh, so that happens. And uh, it also happens before something will happen sometimes. If I'm having strong feelings about something, uh, you know, predictive kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the predictive things I don't do too much anymore. I don't open my mind to that anymore because uh, I would have people uh, coming to me like I was a magic eight ball. Yeah. And no, I'm being really serious. No, about that. I know. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I guess that might be some form of clairvoyance, like a knowing of something. 
and I, I could tell you how how it was going to go or what was going to happen. Uh, I could just feel it. The other thing that I can do is, I guess, is a classic. I took a, a course in ESP, and the, the woman she says, "Oh my goodness," she says, "You are right off the scale with things." And I said, "In what way?" She's well, she told me all these different things, uh, you know, uh, you know that I could see certain things, that the electricity things and everything. But I guess I have a classic feature. You'd have to tell me because you're an investigator. I see things like a video in my mind. Hmm. Um, and I guess that's the classic feature that I, I get like a video clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like uh, I, I was at a hairdresser getting my hair cut. And she says, is that real? Is that I said, yeah, I'll show you how it works. I, I don't know what it means. I said, but I'm, it's not always correct. But the odds, like, again, those numbers, like I was talking about in the beginning, mm-hmm. are extremely high. There are things that you just can't just pull out of the air. And I said, I see something like, uh, you know, in your kitchen with red. And it's a problem for you. And she says, oh, my God. And I said, what are we talking about? She said, my husband and I were fighting all morning because we, we bought this house. We wanted to flip it. And the sink was like a red enamel. Oh. And I said, well, there you go. What does that mean? I said, I don't get into what it means. I just tell you what I see. Yeah. Now, I, I get that. Um, I, I had that with somebody, the, uh, you know, the other day. Uh, no, it wasn't the other day. When am I saying that? This was a, a while ago. And they, I was telling them about this. And I said, I see boxes, like moving boxes. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah. And I don't know what the hell you would call that, uh, the electricity and that uh I get that. Um, I definitely uh, have very strong feelings about prayer and healing, uh, those things. And then the experience that I had, which has only been a one-time experience, was the, uh, you, and you can listen to the show, it's called the Augusta uh, Poltergeist on um, the people under the stairs. That was in the uh, late 70s, uh, or, or yeah, after, I think it was 1976 or 1977. I was, uh, I had uh, just met my uh, ex-wife and uh, was with her in an apartment in Rays Creek, which is behind the Augusta National Golf Course. We were living there. And we decided to uh, move back to New York in about a month and a half from that time, and we were, uh, you know, back <coughs> boxing stuff up and had some friends over. Uh, from downstairs, and I was outside having a cigarette. It was like a you know, like a townhouse, an upstairs and a downstairs. And to make a long story short, I was having a cigarette. It was uh, you know just a dark night out there, but I was with this guy. who was a captain in the army, and then all of a sudden he says, "Hey, watch it!" You know, I see it. Boom! And this thing hit the glass door, and it was like a there was no shot that was fired, but it was like a, a projectile. And uh, it was, and he saw like a shadow of this thing, and and uh, it's a very long story, and you'd have to listen to it. But essentially, what happened is uh, this thing kind of like uh, was all over the place; nobody could see it. And then you could hear it outside of our door, and it left this terrible message uh, in what looked like crazy glue or something on the outside of the door. It wasn't addressed to me. I don't know who it was addressed to. It could have been my ex-wife. It was a used slut. Or people thought it was like a boyfriend or something like that, an old boyfriend. And then we get a phone call and boom, nothing. And uh, the next weekend, all this crazy kind of stuff happened again. But we called the police 
And the police came over, and, and all this crazy stuff starts happening while the police are there. But I have to backtrack to the uh, first story, that when this event was done, uh, I'm standing out there, and out of nowhere, I mean, there was, I could see 50 feet in front of me, you know, the start, this penny drops right at my feet. And uh, this shit goes on the next weekend, and uh, this thing is running all over the place. Nobody sees it. However, it's like upending stuff in a laundry room, uh, creating all kinds of problems. The police come over. And then, as I told you, Kat, the one policeman says to me, uh, I think this thing is in the woods. I said, it might be. And he brings a squad car up to the woods, puts a light on, then he takes out a carbine rifle. I'll never forget this till the day I die. And have you ever heard a carbine rifle click back? No. Click. And, I mean, you could hear that. There's nothing going on there's nobody out there except the cop and the, the thing and he's saying if you're out there i'm coming out there and you hear this 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 rifle being you know locked and loaded i mean that would scare the shit out of anybody in their right mind and the guy from going through all this with me the policeman says to me he says he says mister he says uh are you carrying a handgun right now and i said i sure am you know, which we were allowed to do in Georgia. I did. I, I had a three fifty seven Colt Python, uh, uh, a three fifty seven Magnum, right out strapped on my hip, and I had another Ruger Blackhawk pistol on me because I was scared shitless walking my dog from this thing mm-hmm. at night. And uh, he says, "This is to show you how real it was." He says, "Can you uh, can you walk in the woods with me behind me?" I said, "I sure will." And I said, "Man, that that's a serious thing." So this goes on again another weekend, and it's the same thing. Well, it's tipping over stuff all over the place, crazy stuff, lights going out, the police, you know, many, several police here now with this thing. And at the end of this, a penny, the same thing. Well, I call my buddy who's a psychiatrist stuff. He's a good friend. He says, uh, uh, he's passed away now, my good buddy. I can actually mention his name, John Clark. And uh, he says, what the hell is going on? I'm telling the story. He says, oh, my God, that's terrible. He said, they find this guy? I said, no, it's, it's amazing. They got the whole place surrounded, the whole building. They got people in there. And he says, where, does it, where did it happen? And I said, I'll show you. Come over tomorrow and I'll show you. And I bring him outside our thing. Now, this is during the day. And it was like a fall day. And uh, there were some little sprinkles of snow. Now, this is during daylight. And I'm, sits right, I'm out in the woods behind my place, you know, a few feet into the thing there. And there's this tree that's fallen. And it's on its side. And I, I said to him, it's right around here is where we saw him. And as I'm telling him, so as God is my witness, it starts snowing a little bit, some snowflakes. The friggin' tree bursts into flames. That's amazing. And it's true. I swear it on my late daughter. I'm not kidding with you. I swear it on my granddaughter. I'm not joking with you. That must and, have just scared the crap out of you. Like, uh, well, I'll tell you, it, 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 uh, we, I used to go to sleep at night. Uh, my ex-wife and I used to crawl into bed, and then we would take the dresser, another one, and put it in front of the door. So you couldn't get out of the bedroom, and I slept with uh, two pistols under my pillow. Wow. Now, here's the to show you how serious it was. I don't know if there's an interesting story or what. I mean, you know, you talk about paranormal things. The police took it so seriously that on the fourth weekend, because this would only happen on the weekend, they actually put a sniper in the woods. That's serious. Yes, it is. Wow. They put a guy. And that fourth weekend, uh, the my buddy and I 
we both waited for this guy with shotguns and we were going to kill him. Hmm. Now, I, I'm now what a terrible thing to say on your show that here I am a psychic. I, and, and I tell you why I was going to kill him because I thought this guy was going to kill me or whatever mm-hmm. it was. It wasn't a joke. And the, the, if if somebody's breaking into your house and you know into Georgia in the United States uh, and it's a still hey man somebody comes in and uh, they pose a danger to you, certain states are different. That's one of them. You have every mm-hmm. right to shoot somebody dead. Yeah. And I was and and that was with a trained psychiatrist with me and we and I had worked on I had worked on murder cases with people and everything else like that. And uh, we had made the assessment saying, hey, look, nobody in their right mind. uh, We have not seen this guy once. uh, And each one of these times when it was over, a penny came out. And what I neglected to say is when that tree burst into flame, here we are in broad daylight. What drops at my feet? What comes out of nowhere? A penny. penny. Wow. Now, you go figure that one out. Now, I thought about it. I said, we lived not far from an army base, Fort Gordon. They weren't commandos there. It was a signal corps. I said, maybe it was somebody with, you know, training. Maybe it was somebody with whatever. What, who would do that? What would do that? Uh, uh, that? That night when all the police are running around and you hear, he's up, on the, he's up on the second floor. He's up on the roof. They're in the laundry room. Well, the, the whole place is surrounded. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the lights are off. We go to click them off. What's in there? The light had been taken out and a penny had been put in. Oh, wow. Now, how could that be? How could that be? Now, I don't know. What the heck was that? You know, what kind of experience was that? How do trees burst into flame? How do, um, how do uh, you know, eight or nine police officers uh, with a sniper on the fourth week uh, you, you know, uh, everybody ready for this, uh, waiting to happen in a, in a stupid condominium. And I take, it the, I take it the police officers never found footprints or any evidence that someone was there? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. As a matter of fact, it was so crazy. My ex-wife used to uh, date a guy that they actually investigated. And I looked this up after I told you, when well, we had this on another show, and, mm-hmm. and his name is Dixie Dooley. <laughs> <laughs> I would tease her about that. Say, hey, you only go out with the best of guys, Dixie Dooley, because this is in Georgia. And mm-hmm. he was a young, he was a young uh, magician at the time, and he still performs in Las Vegas. Huh. I guess in lounges or I actually saw this guy, D- Dixie Dooley, yeah. And uh, they actually thought it might be him. Oh. Because they, and well, I'll tell you why. Because they take a list of all, this wasn't evidently directed so much to me. Mm-hmm. as it appeared to be directed to uh, maybe uh, my ex-wife or something mm-hmm. like that. But I was caught in the, the, the crossfire. The crossfire. Like but, uh, you know, but here's the thing. This was so unusual. It was such a strange thing, like an apparition, you know, or uh, something so uh, amazing uh, where it let light outside of normal um, scientific explanation for things that they thought this could be the work of an illusionist, of Mm -hmm. a magician, you know, somebody who could uh, be there and you wouldn't be aware of it, you know? Now, the kicker to it is that uh, I think it was the fourth week that it happened, and again on the fifth week, and then we were gone to New York, and we never never followed us or anything else like that. Um, You you know, the guy was working, and the same thing happened. Hmm. So he was ruled out immediately. Yeah. 
And the case was never solved. We didn't give a hoot one way or the other. The moving truck was packed up and we moved to New York and uh, the rest is history. But uh, that was uh, my major experience uh, with the uh, paranormal. And I think that classifies as a paranormal experience. Uh, yes. I, think. <laughs> sure. I don't think that I don't think that uh, classifies as a, a criminal uh, or harassment or stalking uh, kinds of experience. Uh, now, I never got any sensations about anything. I never had any lights blow out at that time or anything else like that. I just know that whatever this entity was, uh, you know, I just happened to use the term poltergeist. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Playful things were. But, um, hey, man, uh, it certainly called all the shots. Now, that's with a psychologist, a psychiatrist, uh, you know, um, eight or ten people from the uh, Augusta police force, um, Max the dog, and uh, a sniper put in the woods. I knew the – I'll never forget that. The police took it seriously when they put, I think, the fourth or fifth week. You know, it's not one of those things I – you know, like some people say, yeah, at 11.22 – you know, you 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 know, I'm 69 years old now. My my memory gets a little bit foggy with some of the, the dates and everything else like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the, the things. But uh, I think that was the fourth weekend that the police had had it. They thought this was a very dangerous thing, because of that one where every, where all the cops were running all over the place and these, this this thing was tipping over furniture and shit and nobody could. People were you know were 50 feet away and they couldn't find them. Didn't see them. Uh, do you recall well, if do you recall if there was ever any um, uh, temperature changes or if you felt or heard anything unusual or the dog did the dog did the dog did the dog uh, we were uh, we would be very aware to wait for anybody coming in the hall or coming mm-hmm. up the steps and everything we never heard it but the dog would go and then there would be some there would be that crap on the outside of the door all the time huh. It would come up from nowhere. Yeah. Did you have and any pets we, at the time? Yeah, we had. I uh, had a. Uh, my wife had a pet. Uh, my ex-wife had a pet dog, Pumpkin. Pumpkin. I love that name. Yeah. Did yeah, the dog? It's a beautiful. Get, did the dog ever react to anything? Yeah. When yeah. when uh, that, that's when we knew that uh, whatever it was had been out in the hallway hmm. after the first couple of times, even though we didn't see him. Mm-hmm. That's why my friend, the psychiatrist, and myself, we decided to wait. Um, we decided to wait in the hallway, uh, in the hallway, and on the um, the outside balcony. Uh, uh, that was. I'll never forget the the. the um, I'll never forget laughing with my wife because the police officer, a detective, actually came over the third week, and uh, uh, he was asking all kinds of questions. Or it might have been the second week to, about. Any old boyfriends, anybody that I might have known, anybody I might have put in jail as a psychologist because, you know, I work with the courts sometimes, mm-hmm. anything else like that. And I said, no, there's, there's nothing like that. Well, we don't have any of that. But uh, to show you, I'm telling you the truth. It's the things that I would look at as a best. Uh, and I haven't, I never mentioned this in the story. The other thing, we got a big laugh out of the fact that this guy, the, the detective who came up, he had what we called an Andy Williams sweater on. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, this guy's so taken with himself. He's got his Andy Williams sweater. <laughs> so that's serious bullshit down there. Forgive my language. Oh, I'm, going Brooklyn on, I'm going Brooklyn on the paranormal today. <laughs> it's, uh, it was no joke. And, and I have to tell you something. Psychologists or no, I, and uh, I guess that slipped out inadvertently. I do come from Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn. And 
my ESP, my radar was out and it said, uh, warning, Will Robinson. I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I, I trust, uh, I, you know, you, you learn to trust your feeling when you, yes, you, you know, do. I used to work different jobs. You're, you're walking down Flatbush Avenue late at night or someplace and you're walking home. The bus isn't out there when you're a kid or you don't have any money for a cab or whatever it is. Hey, you can, you know, you can. You can do. You can be a hunter in the woods and understand that. Or I know your husband is in the military and mm -hmm. uh, things like that. I mean, you know, people are in the field. I say, hey man, you know, I'm not going in there. Why? I don't get a good feeling mm -hmm. about that. And uh, nah, that wasn't right. That wasn't the normal stuff. But the there was only one person who saw whatever this thing was, and he did not. All he saw was the out, like a black outline. And that was the very first thing that uh, the uh, guy, Larry, who was a captain in the army. And he's the guy who pushed me to the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was that, uh, that, that thing. And I said, How? he says, well, I just saw him sticking his hand out. It looked like he was going to shoot something. I but just saw the outline. Just saw mm -hmm. like a, like a, as I recall, he just saw like a, a, a an image like a, a shadow. Hmm. Wow. So, I don't you, know. You must have sat down as a psychologist and tried to analyze what was going on. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, to be very honest with you, my ex-wife is a very, very, very attractive woman. Uh, she really was. She was a, a, an exceptionally attractive person. She was a person who dated people. Mm -hmm. uh, she... Uh, was a person who was very happily married uh, and then was widowed where her um, late husband, her, you know, her late husband was killed in a robbery, mm. which was very, uh, very tragic, very, very tragic. And uh, he was shot to death uh, <clears throat> in a murder spree with some people from Texas. They were, were robbing, he owned a restaurant. And uh, so I said, man, uh, who knows? Maybe there's, you know, somebody... You know, she was vehement about his case, that the guys who were in prison, you know, what the hell was going on with them? Why didn't they get the death sentence and all mm -hmm. these things? Because they were extradited to Texas. And uh, who could make up a story like this? And uh, I thought there might be something there. But the guys who killed her, um, who killed her late husband, um, were, uh, they were just a bunch of uh, vagrants, you know? Mm-hmm. They weren't any highly intellectual uh, kind of people or ex-military or, um, you know, people of good standing or high intelligence or anything else like that. They were just, um, they were just kind of roustabouts, you know. So, so even if they were suspected to be doing something like this, uh, they probably they were in wouldn't, jail. They wouldn't be able. To, oh yeah, that's right. No, they were in. They were in prison. Yeah. Hmm. And there was not, there was no appeal that she was involved in. She wasn't going to any court hearing. She just keep checking with the attorney. There's nothing, yeah. nothing, uh, that kind of thing, you know. But it was uh, a, a very, uh, a, you know, a very amazing, very amazing uh, thing that happened. Then is when we came to New York, uh, you know, several years later. Then um, for me, I became in touch uh, with more about these other abilities that I told you about. Mm -hmm. To me, I always just took those for granted as a human being that I could always, um, that I could always, um, you know, figure things out or how to read on people or how to read on certain situations and things like that. I don't know if that's common uh, with the paranormal uh, or what, but uh, 
you know, I think that's part of that extrasensory perception stuff. Mm-hmm. The odds are a little bit higher in your favor to 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 get a to get a feel for certain things. I think so. Yeah. I find it so interesting too how you use ESP a lot. Um, that's a term that we don't hear too much of these days, and uh, it's it's really interesting. Well, everything is perception. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, everything is perception, and uh, you know where I'm going to go with that. If you're if you're podcast listeners want to see some listen to, to things that are very fascinating get uh, get any kind of works uh, on biocentrism <clears throat> and that has to do with uh, consciousness and how we are not conscious of so many things that exist that's the whole thing that has to do with quantum theory I mean you know we're sitting here doing a show and you think you're sitting in front of a screen and I am and everything else but there's about a hundred thousand layers of reality in between that. That if we become conscious of it, it exists then. And uh, try and wrap your brain around that. But it happens to be true. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm a highly trained scientist and I study, um, you know, the central nervous system, your brain and your spinal cord, how you perceive things, how information comes in, perceptions and sensations when we're aware of them and how we form them into things. Nobody, I defy you. Try and go explain what conscious, what conscious, uh, what, excuse me, one second. <laughs> that made me jump. I was like, where is that coming from? No, that's, from? Uh, that's actually Paul's <laughs> wife calling me. Oh. But uh, there you go. But uh, my point is uh, everybody thinks that uh, science can explain consciousness, and they really can't. They know it's a function that seems to have uh, to do with your brain, but when they look at the structure of your brain and you know the neurons and everything else, not to get overly complicated, folks, people say, well, how does that all turn into consciousness? We understand how your heart pumps blood and we understand how this works, but how do you become aware of things? How do you know that you know, or or you know, you know, you, okay, now we know you're aware of things. How do you, how do you how do you how do you categorize this? How do you develop speech? How do you how do you know how this feels? How do you know what hot is? How do you know what cold is? Hey, that's how psychology started, and they still haven't answered that. So uh, it's an important area. It's an important area, and extrasensory perception has to do with that. When you perceive something. You know, it's like the old thing by Descartes, the philosopher. I think, therefore I am. Uh-huh. Yes. If I, if I am aware of it, it exists. My feeling, my theory, and lots of psychologists will say, oh, come on, don't, don't say such a stupid thing and get out of this quantum thing. But I disagree with it. I think that uh, we, most people, are, they use so little of their brain mm-hmm. uh, to begin with. Uh, you hear that all the time, but that really is true. We have so many other distractions and everything else. When we close our mind to things, when we close our mind to the cosmos, when we close our mind to our environment, when we shut our mind down and disconnect ourselves from so many things and become very myopic and think about just a few things, we don't open ourselves up to perceptions. Other people, I think, don't have to try and are naturally open to these extrasensory perceptions. And then other people work on it through meditation and transcendental meditation and prayer or whatever things that they use. Some people use psychoactive drugs or things like that. And they, they get a whole other variety of sensations 
and a lot of other information and therefore when they're conscious of it they have a lot of other experiences and those different experiences are what i think a lot of people would call extrasensory perception fascinating Makes sense yes it does yeah i mean you know and i'll give you a good example uh just for people who say i think stan is pulling something out of his behind <clears throat> and throwing it on the wall to see if it sticks i'm not <laughs> Uh, if you and I were in a survival situation, or if you and I um, were taken out of the city where you live, probably, like I do, mm -hmm. and we spent um, a few weeks uh, in the woods, uh, or we were hunting and gathering and everything else, in a very short period of time, your mind and your body and your um, abilities to sense and perceive things and process those things would become very, very heightened because your survival would be dependent upon it. Yep. And you would be aware of sights and smells and sounds, just like when you see one of these cowboy and Indian things, uh, you know, a Western or something. Oh, did I say cowboy and Indian things? Wow, I've been politically incorrect, <laughs> so forgive me. <laughs> cowboy and uh, cow person and uh, Native American. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, if you were in what you see one of those things and people say, I can just feel this or, or mm -hmm. uh, indigenous peoples, uh, you know, the American Indians, for example, were amazing for that uh, because they lived off the, the plains. They lived in a very harsh environment. Settlers, uh, other people like that. Uh, animals, you know, uh, you know, if you've ever gone deer hunting for the first time, I've gone hunting once for deer and I said, what are all these these footprints behind us. It was the deer following us. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, they do that very frequently to stupid people who don't know how to hunt. The deer will walk <laughs> right behind you. Uh, and I've never been hunting, so that, that's kind of, that, that's pretty. Uh, it's yeah, very calm. Yeah. Somebody's going to be in your audience who's going to be a hunter and know I'm saying exactly the truth. Yeah. So I think a lot of that is very similar to um, extrasensory perception. Because those animals have to, for survival, those mm -hmm. portions of their brain, they're not playing around. No. That's what they need to survive. Uh, that's, uh, you know, um, I think that's evolution. And I think that, you know, uh, or psychological evolution or biological evolutionary kinds of behaviors. And I think the same thing happens. I think we just name it something different. When I'm on Paul's show, I frequently tell him it's the same thing, I think, with religion, which this is not a show on religion, but I did say, and I am correct in that, that some people feel that prayer is a paranormal event. Mm -hmm. And some people make a big mumbo-jumbo out of praying, and they they got to do all kinds of things and dance and yell and scream and work themselves into a, like a whirling dervish. Yep. And uh, I always say to people, I, you know, man, you're looking for the divine presence I'll use that as a global thing. To me, it's just, you know, God, Jesus, whatever. Everybody has their own thing. Uh, you're looking way too high, man. It's right here. Stop stop looking a million miles away and go through all these things. You want to talk to God? Take a breath. Talk to God. And people say, come on, how can you say such a thing? I said, I say because they do it many times during the day. Does he answer you? I said, of course. I don't mean in a voice. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Bill Cosby, where somebody says, well, Stan, you know, that doesn't happen like that. It's in a feeling. It's in a presence. It's in a, um, a perception of things. Could that be my own mind? Could be. I don't feel that it is, uh, but it could be. 
but I think it's very similar to uh, when people have memories of suspected past lives. Didn't Carl Jung talk about, uh, you know, the magic mandala and the collective unconscious and things like that? I, I come from, you know, in, in my genes, they're, they're all Scandinavian and German. Didn't I tell you when we were talking private? I don't like, I, I love gray days with yes, snow yes. and <laughs> fires. And th- I love them. I love, I love going into a library and, and smelling books. So do I. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's almost an erotic experience. I like I'm old. Uh, I like old, like secondhand bookstores. There's just a Love. feeling and a smell. There's just the sensation walking into an old secondhand bookstore, especially if they have a cat. Yeah. Now you know what the amazing thing is, since uh, you have Ancestry.com and 23-me or dot me. Uh, uh, here's something that I found. When I find my relatives, guess what they all are? Psychiatrists, artists, really? ministers, so all of them, scientists. That's fascinating. People can do that on themselves. Gee, I wonder where that stuff comes from. I mean, the genetics, as Jung might say, the collective unconscious, the collective agreements, and things like that. A little biocentrism. Uh, you know, there seems to be a predisposition that we have. To, uh, you know, I think that people have to see certain things a certain way, experience them, feel them. There's probably a lot of the people listening to your show who wish they were having paranormal events that are probably having them already. They're just looking, they just take them for granted. Yeah. I think I might have had one the other day now that I'm thinking about it with you. Uh, my my oldest daughter passed away seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And as you can tell in my voice, um, uh, it's a ter- terrible experience for me, but I'm not a believer that the pe- the people that I love the the deepest in the world uh, you know I, nobody gets out of life alive uh, of course that breaks my heart mm-hmm. but I would not want my son's life her mother's life my life or anybody else's life to be destroyed over that you have to learn how to cope with those things yes but out of nowhere the other day um, uh, I don't know where that came from but I think uh, my wife was correct in that who's uh, by the way a big atheist by the way that believes in none of this really and, and no religion, nothing. No, no, zero. Huh. And wonderful Christian. <clears throat> she doesn't know it, but doesn't believe any of the stuff because she's a, a wonderful person. But uh, the point being is uh, I must have been having a dream. And uh, I came up to my daughter who I was extremely close with. She's a brilliant scientist. She's a, a, an anthropologist. And we used to teach together, believe it or not. What a wonderful huh. experience. And... Uh, she, uh, in this dream, which was just a few weeks ago, uh, and I never dreamed these kind of things. I, I said, how's it going? And she says, oh, daddy, uh, you know, it's going good. And I could picture her hair right now and her skin and the top she was wearing and the jeans and everything. And I said, come here for a second. And I said, I love you. I got behind her and I just put my arms around her and I was kissing her on the back of her neck. Uh, and I started crying in the dream. Hmm. And I can remember, because it woke me up after about a half hour. And I just cried for like a half hour, or what seemed to be a half hour in the dream, and I just didn't want to let her go. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was my wife who said, she said, you never do that. 
And I said, no. I said it was it was very different. It was it was almost like when you do lucid dreaming or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's my wife, the big atheist, the non-believer in these things, and she says, I think your daughter was visiting you. Wow. That's something if she mentioned that. Yeah. No, I don't know. Now, see, those are one of those things as a psychologist. Somebody would say, well, you see, that's so unscientific, Stan. There's no, you know, there was, you know, there was no, she didn't leave you a message like, don't go down the stairs. There's something there. You know, it wasn't anything (laughs) like that. Um, uh, And I mentioned that I could talk in a straight voice because I don't repress my feelings about my daughter. Uh, When I feel sad, uh, you know, that I miss her in an extraordinary way for a while, I, I go with that. I don't punish everybody else over it or mm-hmm. do weird things or punish myself or anything. But if when I feel sad, I feel sad. And, and then I let it go uh, when I can. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but there's a word for that. It's called coping with reality. People mm-hmm. die. People leave us uh, and things like that, in my opinion. You know, so, uh, but this was much different. Uh, and, and I was thinking, uh, it was also right around my birthday. I'm actually just thinking that now. I never realized that. Huh. I said it was a couple of weeks ago. And what's today's date? Um, 12, 19 on my computer, it says there. Yeah. My birthday was on the 7th. A belated happy birthday. Oh, Lord. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But uh, like your wonderful buddy, Steve Stockton, who tells the most marvelous stories, maybe that's a marvelous story out there that uh, has to do with this subject. I don't know. Maybe it was a communication with a deceased relative, a loved one, or a family member. I don't know. It sounds like it, but, uh, you know, we can't prove or disprove. That's true. Now, see, you won't believe my story, but when Paul says he's been visited by aliens from another planet, <laughs> sure, Paul gets a pass. Sure, Paul. It's a spaceship with an angel coming down here since 1982. You guys will have to listen to this story. Me, I talk about my eldest daughter who's passed away. <laughs> Just a normal communication. <laughs> and you've never had a dream like that about her before? No. Hmm. No, I, I've certainly had dreams where I love her or miss yeah. her or mm-hmm. things like that, but not like that. No, that was a particularly um, that was a particularly real feeling uh, kind of thing, a very unusual thing for me. And you know, that ties into that term extrasensory perception. I like to be aware at all times, and I would recommend that to your audience mm-hmm. out there. <clears throat> be comfortable with how you feel. Be comfortable however you feel. Don't feel how other people want you to feel or how you think you should feel. Feel how you feel. And your perceptions will be a lot more accurate on things. And you'll be a lot happier with things. You may have nicer paranormal experiences uh, if, if, you, you know, if you're having those. Uh, or you might find, find out that the paranormal experiences that you're having are not paranormal. They're just not normal for you mm-hmm. based on how you've been led, you, you know, to, to, to think you have to to feel things like that. Like the clairvoyance thing was made with knowing things with the little videos and things like that. I accept that now as like a clairvoyance thing. I accept that the lights blown out is not that I have any special powers. 
Although I do, any of you out there in the audience, if you'd like any, uh, you know, if you'd like any kinds of cures to uh, minor illnesses or money or things like that, just send me a small <laughs> donation. And we'll put that there. I'll I'll send a vibe. <laughs> People, please don't send them money. <laughs> no, don't send me any money. I know, we don't want to get. We don't want to get. But uh, yeah, that's that's my spend on some things. I don't know if this uh, if my interview has gone in the direction that you wanted. Yes. Or uh, paranormal heart, but uh, I think that all these things have to do with the paranormal. You know, they're 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 hard to tease out. You know, this the wonderful thing about doing a show like this uh, with a wonderful host like you. It, it, I'm actually thinking out loud with you and with the audience. It's not like a prepared thing where I'm I'm, I'm telling you what I did this week in uh, you know clearing out a house. I'm thinking it through. It's a uh, it's hard to tease out. It's uh, kind of like a know. brainstorming session. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to know what's just normal behavior and, and when it becomes paranormal sometimes. There may be a day that um, all these paranormal experiences that, are, that people are experiencing, um, maybe they'll be explained and we'll find out that it actually was normal. But for the time being, it's things that... Uh, are abnormal. I, I would agree with that. W with some things, uh, y y you know, it yes, you can you can very easily see that some people who are very sensitive uh, on on certain things um, think of what the term abnormal even means. It, you know, I, I've always said that to people. I said there is no such thing as abnormal. I said mm -hmm. really? Then I guess you don't believe in statistics. <laughs> you know, it's called the bell-shaped curve. Anything below fifty percent is, mm. you know. Yeah. You're, you, you know, it's it's not the norm anymore. And if you start going out with standard deviations, not you know, that's 15 points, you know, further and further, it's not the norm. So, so sorry, it is abnormal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, people don't like that. Then they think you're a wise ass and uh, it's, it's fake news. That's fake news. <laughs> no, sorry. It's, it's called science. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there, there are abnormal things, and, and there are things that uh, – that's how we started off the show. That's what the people from Duke University and all these other kinds of people were trying to do. They were trying to say, hey, statistical theory, math, real science is that this should only occur. If you take – I'll never forget the one thing, by the way, and I'm, I, I hope I'm not bouncing all over the place. But I'm remembering now what Breck Stanford said to us the first thing. He said, you know, everybody knows that if you take a penny, experiment with this at home, folks. Take a penny and flip it the same way a hundred times. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much going to be 50-50, plus or minus one. And these were some of the tests that they would use with people for extrasensory perception. They'd say, think about making that penny come on heads. And as soon as that penny comes on heads out of a hundred times, like 54, mm. you know, to yes. 46, and you can do that several times. They they want to take you back to the lab because you just you have just you have just influenced the law of averages. Funny how it's the penny. What's that again? It's funny that it's a penny that was mentioned because with your experience. Oh, I never thought. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, you know, you can you can you that's that's how that's how the labs would work. With many things, you know, changing the the, um, the you know the odds on things. Do you think universities are still doing experiments like that in labs? 
Well, you know, I was looking up some stuff, uh, you know, on the university studies, and there's very few that are, mm-hmm. uh, to the best of my knowledge. I know that Stanford University was one that was doing one for a long time. They stopped in the 80s. Uh, Duke University, uh, you know, uh, has kept that going um, a, a little bit with because they had the and they still do, I believe. They have the Rhine uh, Laboratories because uh, J.B. Rhine was very famous. Uh, mm-hmm. It was second in the nation to really get into the paranormal. Princeton University, uh, the and the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research. That's the Pear Project. Um, and this was, um, these were guys who were, you were interested in ESP. They were talking about extrasensory perception, telekinesis, and, it, you know, they were, they were looking for the factual basis for theories in mind or matter. They were going on until I think 2007, really? Harvard university to 2008. Uh, uh, I'm just looking at some notes I had over here. Hold on one second for folks, because you can look this up if you're interested. The University of Virginia, the Division of Perceptual Studies, started in 1967, and they're still going on. That's a very prestigious university. Wow. And uh, they have six years of research into past lives, reincarnation, uh, perceptual studies. You see all the stuff I was talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, something with the Department of Psychiatric Medicine. And uh, here's what, the, look at this. Here's what they're into. They're into reincarnation, uh, especially, specifically on children who claim to remember past lives, near-death experiences, which has been a big one with Kubler-Ross, apparitions, after-death communications, altered states of consciousness, my favorite one, as well as other psychic experiences. And then you have the University of Arizona has the Veritas and Sophia programs. Wow. So there's quite a few. You didn't know all this stuff. No, well, right I did where not. I live, 45 hmm. minutes away, Cornell University. Yeah. They had a lot of stuff on precognition, uh, predicting upcoming events. That's what I was talking about what, that I was uh, you know, involved in. Uh, they were worked on that from 2002 to 2010, and then in the UK they've got the University of Edinburgh. They still have stuff. Uh, Goldsmiths University of London, uh, the University of Adelaide, Anomalistic Psychology Research Research Unit is still open. That's in uh, South Australia. Lund University, Utrecht University in the Netherlands. You still have some going on. That's amazing. I didn't realize they uh, they were still doing research like that. Yes, they are, and more. Now, the big question is this, and I'm getting a feeling that it's, did I put I your audience to sleep? Everybody <laughs> awaken. When you wake up, you'll feel very good. You won't remember <laughs> that you were hypnotized and you were made to do the chicken dance. <laughs> <laughs> I could just picture that now. Yes, I, I see. I, if the show is not entertaining to you, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I'm going to make it all about me. It's going to be something that's entertaining to me, <laughs> at the very least. But uh, those are some things that are out there. And, you know, I hope that your audience um, enjoys the fact that there is some science behind all of this. This is not just a bunch of um, uh, there's people out there who really respect this. And uh, 
you know, really uh, work on this stuff. Uh, a lot of universities want to spend, they don't want to spend any more money with this anymore because the military was very involved with it and the government was involved with it. And of course, in the United States of America, what's much more important are football programs. You know, who would possibly want to study anything to do with the next life or anything like that? Yeah. So, you know, you you want to you want to take all your money and uh, and and have uh, an eighty thousand uh, fan stadium, so you know not just for ESP but a lot of other things. But I digress. I was just trying so, to think uh, when we're getting back to the uh, universities and everything. I think it seems to me quite a few years ago there was um, a place in England that they actually are studying lycanthropy. Ah. Yeah, I know. And I tried to look really? into it further to see if this was an actual valid place or if it was just uh, fake news. I don't know. I, I have a, a couple of places here from England, <clears throat> uh, Goldsmiths, the University of London. I've got the University of Edinburgh that I mentioned, uh, Lund University. I don't see any uh, thing with that except, you see, they have some very interesting things here. Uh, like in Lund University in Sweden. See my last name, Wanglund. I always tell people the L-U-N-D is definitely a Swedish thing. They were looking to find correlations between hypnotic suggestibility and the incidence of ESP phenomena during uh, experiments. And where, what they found is that uh, highly suggestible individuals are found to experience high rates of anomalous experiences such as telepathy and clairvoyance. How do you like that? <laughs> How long ago so, was that? Oh, that's ongoing. That's, that's ongoing. still that's ongoing. Oh, absolutely. Honey. And uh, if people are interested, uh, when you look at the university uh, materials, you can get Too much to, uh, and it's not under freedom of information, it's not freedom of education. You can, particularly with the Rhine studies, they have all of the records, uh, like, you're going through a Freedom of Information Act and looking at things of, of going back to the 30s. I'm almost done. You can get all the documents because scholars, uh, you know, uh, want to write about these things and scientists want to write about these things for a whole variety of reasons. And you, you'll have all the original research that was done and, um, you know, all the stuff, uh, you know, way more complicated than you'll want. But uh, there's just shitloads of that stuff. That's a that's a clinical term in clinical psychology, a shitload. But there are shitloads of, <laughs> of that stuff that are available uh, to folks. Uh, the University of California had a lot of interesting stuff. Um, uh, you know, and this is where it had stuff like with the entity and stuff like that, and electric fields and latent psychic ability, uh, ability clairvoyance, telepathy, haunted houses, and one of my favorites, uh, I don't know if your folks must be aware of Carillion photography. Oh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Carillion uh, 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 photography is like if you take a leaf and you take a picture of the leaf uh, and, uh, you know, in a black and white photograph, uh, I don't know if it can be done with uh, color, chromatic ones. I've only seen them uh, with uh, black and white. And then you cut the leaf in half. What happens is they'll take a picture of the next time in the Carillion photography. It'll show the, the cut in half leaf, but there'll be like a, an aura around it in the shape of the leaf. That's amazing. Yeah. So this is like, it looks like an, it, it's kind of like an aura. 
And, uh, you know, like, what the heck is that all about? How do people explain that? Now, I used to remember what that was about, but but I don't at this, um, you know, uh, I don't remember that. But in the um, University of California at Los Angeles, they're the people, uh, I think the guy's name was Barry Taff and Kerry Gaynor. They were the team who did the real-life uh, poltergeist investigation on which the book The Entity was based. Oh. So that I was based on Yeah. That, so when you see Barbara Hershey there and everything, that was based on a real investigation uh, from the University of California in Los Angeles. Huh. And those were the guys. That was right. Dr. Barry Taff and Kerry Gaynor. So, uh, you know, that wasn't, uh, I, you know, I don't know if the movie was accurate, but uh, they have pictures of the woman, uh, you know, and the electronic uh, or the aura, uh, the stuff in the photographs that were around her mm. uh, that you see in the movie. It actually uh, kind of looks, um, I'm, uh, I'm trying to check for some film here as I'm talking to you here. I, I just pulled up a picture here. It looks kind of like, uh, I, I see one of the original pictures back from the 70s. And it looks like a an arc over her. She's on a, like a bed or a chase lounge. And it looks like a rainbow of electricity over her head. And an arc that they how, have. From, that's fascinating. How, how old is that picture? That's from 19, somewhere between 1968 and 1978. It's hmm. black and white. Yeah. And again, it's from, uh, look under Barry Taff. How do you spell the last name? T-A-F-F. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, there's lots of interesting stuff out there. Oh, well, I've said you know? countless times before, um, the thing that fascinates me the most about uh, the paranormal is it doesn't matter what religion or culture or whatever, everybody on the, around the world has stories or experiences about this, and it's just so amazing and fascinating to me. Yes, as a matter of fact, the University of Arizona, if for your fans out there, if they want to uh, look at something really good, and you're getting all the science today, uh, guys. <laughs> they have the SOFIA program, and that's been running since 2008 until the present. Those, that's a research program. And um, this has to do um, uh, this has to do with, I believe, spirit guides, angels, divine higher power. Um, broader claims of after-death communication, uh, all those things. Uh, they, they also, if you want to look at an interesting one from the University of Arizona, there's the Veritas program, and that explored survival, the existence of the personality beyond death and mediumship. Hmm. How do you like that? Some pretty deep stuff. Well, you'd have a guy like me, if they, if they tapped into me after I died, I'd be saying, hey, let me tell you a couple of one-liners from the other side. <laughs> Take my wife, please. <laughs> but <-a> <laughs> but oh, I mean, excuse me, folks. Take my life, please. <laughs> but <-a> boom. <laughs> now, you have to think that these are serious programs, that, that, uh, like when the granting is going on, for two, that, you know, like in the University of Arizona, that's 11 years of grants. Right there. Uh, that's a lot of money involved in that stuff. That's a crap load of money. Yeah. And the Duke University Stanford stuff, man, they were funded by the by the federal government of the United States big time by the military, by the CIA, by the Army, by all those places like that. So they don't do that for nothing. No. There's got to be a little something there. There has to be because people wouldn't dump so much money into the research. 
Yeah, can you can you believe now? Now, who would believe that the military in the United States or Canada would dump a whole bunch of money on like stupid stuff? <laughs> I know that doesn't ever <laughs> no, happen. They, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> they really <Well>. think. That. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. That's okay. I'm remembering my days in the military. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stan, do you believe it? It's been over an hour. I know it's been over an hour. It seems just like it's five minutes because uh, you're a delightful person to tell stories to and ask questions. And, and I hope this is stuff that your audience might want to hear. Well, I know this is fascinating to me, and I'm, I know my, my listeners will enjoy it as well. Well, I hope it was, and I, I, I hope it took a little bit of a different, um, uh, a, a little bit of a different direction. And I'm not, uh, you know, you know, casting aspersions or downplaying anybody, but by not coming out and saying, "I'll tell you what, I, it was when I saw the yeah. Wolfman and he grabbed me." <laughs> no, I wanted no, to I do don't... something a little different for the the last episode of 2019. Oh, yeah, you know, don't uh, don't think that your experiences. You don't have to be a nuclear physicist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Or a professor to explain them. Oh. Just realize that there are some, there are lots of people who take you seriously. I'm one of them. Indeed, so many people of different walks of life. Yes, and uh, every time you think you know the answers, you don't. You know, a, a great one of my professors told me something, and it was very true many years ago. And I'll share with your audience very brief. The truth is a series of approximations. Hmm. And that's very true. Every time you think, you know, you know, hey, hey, you know, this is this is this is true. The speed of light is such and such. Well, you know, until you get an atomic clock and go into outer space, and then what you find out is, ah, eh, the speed of life isn't is, even though we use it in these calculations, it's not uh, exactly that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit off. You know, so it's an approximation. It's a workable approximation to things. So these events that are happening sometimes in your life, if you know they're really serious, you know. Lots of the brains around there, they just don't have the information. They don't have the facts. They don't have the knowledge. They, you know, just like if you had an illness and you go to the doctor and, you know, somebody tells you you don't have something, but, you know, you're, you, you know, you're dying. Yeah. And you're dying for real. You, you know, they just don't know. They can only go with so, the symptoms that you give them. That's right. Or just yeah. come up with the knowledge that they know. Well, before, so. we, uh, before we sign off, Stan, why don't you tell us uh, how they can find your two shows? Yes, if you'd, uh, if you'd like to uh, hear more from me, uh, if you'd like to hear uh, uh, about things with the paranormal and other events uh, with my good buddy, Paul James Caden, just uh, go to The People Under the Stairs, uh, and that's our show, and uh, Kat may put uh, a link in her show for that. I will, uh, yes. If she wants, that's pretty easy. And if you want to hear the best show in Denmark, which I found out today that I made the charts in Denmark. I'm the number 44 show there. I've been number 23 in Russia. I'm boasting here. That's awesome. Is, uh, I'm just thinking of Stan Wangland. And uh, I, I think that's a fun show. And if um, uh, it's not a paranormal show, although every once in a while we get into some. I, I do get into stuff <clears throat> with UFOs and the military and things. I'm, there's all those kind of things. There's political things. There's things that are just funny, funny stories, observations on life. It's not a guest-driven show. If you love me, if you think I'm a nice guy, well, you're going to get more of me than you can handle. And it's only <laughs> 15, 20 minutes. It's not designed to be uh, 14 hours of Stan Wangling. 
even though I would love that, you would become terribly upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got over 300 shows on there, and they're on a variety of topics. Uh, some of them are self-help, things like that. So it's just thinking with Stan Wang. And it would be a, seriously a privilege and an honor to have you there. I, I love being a podcaster. And I love sharing information. And I've never really met one person who hasn't been just lovely to me. Uh, in all those shows, uh, you know, so I don't know. Maybe you all have a nice vibe, and I do, and it just is, works out the way that it's supposed to. So please come and join me on the show or the people under the stairs. You'll find Paul very engaging and fascinating. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, you guys are amazing. And like like, you. You, like Stan just said, uh, I will be setting up the links in the show notes, so you can just click on those and check out those shows. Yeah, and if you uh, when you check on our link, if you go to the Reality Check Podcasting Network, uh, there's another whole series of shows that are on our network that you might love, whether they be wrestling shows, shows on motivation, uh, the road to redemption, there's a whole variety of darn things nice. that are on the Reality uh, Check Podcasting Network that are for you know. I'm, I'm sure that even though you love the paranormal, there may be some other things that you like too. Yeah. So take a listen. Always nice to have a broad spectrum of topics to listen to. Well, I, you know, we have a lot of BS out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for being on, Stan. I really, really am so thankful that you came on. Oh, it's delightful. And I, I love doing shows with you. Uh, it's like sitting down, having a cup of coffee and a couple of laughs uh, and catching up with you and everything. Um, I'm sorry if I uh, hijacked uh, a lot of the time on the show. You, you know, you were interviewing things, but uh, you're you're always delightful. Thank and you. again, I really hope that your um, that your fans and people on the podcast enjoyed the show. I, I do immensely. So thanks so much for having me on, and have a merry Christmas, happy holiday, wonderful Thank season you. wherever you are, and your fans out there, whatever your uh, belief you system well. is. Yep. Yeah. Just just have a great one. I just celebrate be, Christmas, so just be kind nice. to one another. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure, man. Okay, well, folks, I just wanted to give a little shout-out to South Africa because that is one of the countries that have been listening to my show. Um, it's, it's pretty cool, like Stan mentioned, where his shows listen to. Um, it's, it's really interesting for me to find out where you are listening to my show. And um, South Africa is the newest country so far, so thank you so much for listening. And 2020... I am now going to be having two episodes a month. So every two weeks, you'll be able to enjoy Paranormal Heart instead of just your monthly show. So with that, I will say thank you very much for listening, and you all take care. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants. 